presence of the Lord here this morning. Why don't you grab your Bibles? I'm not going to preach for too long this morning. But one, I want to give people an opportunity to respond to the Word of God today. And two, we do have our Sunday school presentation happening later on today. So I am aware of that. But grab your Bibles if you don't mind. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 1 where we were this morning. chapter 1 and verse 46. It's good to see lots of Bibles here today. There's something special about holding God's printed Word. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Someone say amen when you're there. And Mary said, My soul does magnify the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty has done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Someone say amen. Someone say my soul does magnify the Lord. Woo, it gets me excited when I start thinking about that. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. This passage of Scripture that we just read, it's commonly known as the Magnificat. The Magnificat. And it's used in various liturgies and prayers in different settings and in different types of church services around the world. And while in this church and in the Pentecostal movement in general, we don't have traditional liturgies and and things that we say by rote learning, we do tend to overlook some things in Scripture sometimes. Hello? You know, when we read God's Word, often, you know, it's, it's, it's more about, well, I must read God's Word today, and that's a good thing. But often we read it, and we kind of tend to skip over some important parts. And, and in this time that is known as Christmas, this is part of our Christmas story. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about this, because when we skip over these things, we can miss sometimes the meaning that God has in this Scripture that He has given us. Amen. And, and the story here is about Mary. And Mary has just found out that she's going to have a baby. And not only is he going to be a baby, he is going to be a king who will reign over the house of Jacob, the Bible tells us. It tells us in verse 33 that of his kingdom, there will be no end. Amen. 
And as she heads over to her cousin Elizabeth's house to spend some time with her, it is while she was there that Mary begins to celebrate and she begins to extol this amazing God that she serves who has choreographed everything together in line with the Old Testament prophecies to bring about the birth of the Savior. And I think the first thing we need to understand when we read that that first verse when she says, My soul does magnify the Lord. I think often we do not understand the background that Mary is in. And you know, we spoke a little bit about this in our life class this morning, but, but Mary was betrothed to be married to Joseph and she was pregnant and not married yet. We don't have to draw too many lines to work out what that actually means, amen. And, and under the Old Testament law, the, the penalty for this was stoning. And, and, and this is where, and maybe it's just my mind, but, but here's what I noticed. Mary's statement does not line up with her situation. In her mind, she's probably thinking, I'm pregnant and I'm not meant to be. But my soul does magnify the Lord. What is my betrothed going to say to me when he finds out that I've got a baby inside? My soul does magnify the Lord. What are my friends, what is my my family going to say? What are they going to think about me? What kind of woman does the world think I am now? My soul does magnify the Lord. I think sometimes, church, we need to get our mind into line. We allow our mind to wander down all these negative roads and all these mindsets and all these possibilities and we don't know what we're going to do and we don't know which way to turn and we don't know what is the direction and we, we might not even know the answer, but we need something in our spirit that says, I am going to magnify the Lord. I am going to rejoice in the God of my Savior. Amen. And can I, can I tell someone today that nothing will frustrate the devil more than when we begin to magnify the Lord in our soul and in our heart. When you get that magnification spirit going on inside of you. You see, the devil wants you to focus on your problems. He wants you to focus on your circumstance. He wants you to focus on the things that are going wrong. He wants you to focus on your frustrations in life. He wants to focus you on the things that you cannot do. But whatever you magnify, it becomes bigger. Now, we don't understand that sometimes, but when you begin to focus your mind on the Lord and you begin to magnify Him and you begin to exalt Him and you begin to lift Him up, you begin to have a mindset change that says, I'm just looking at God and you are bigger than my problems. You are bigger than my circumstance. You are bigger than every obstacle that's in front of me. I've magnified you, Lord, and you're saying that when you magnify Him. This is why the psalmist wrote in Psalms 34 and verse 3, he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Amen. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. Let such as love thy salvation, Psalm 46 verse 16, say, The Lord be 
magnified. Is it any wonder then that Mary was looking at her circumstance and maybe it was her upbringing, maybe it was her culture, I don't know. But she's looking around and there's a lot of questions she has in her mind. But she's just saying, my soul does magnify the Lord. I'm going to keep my attention. I'm going to keep my focus. I'm going to keep my direction on Jesus. I'm going to look to Him. Amen. And that's what we need to do. Someone say amen. Turn to the person next, you say, magnify. And here's why Mary magnifies the Lord. My soul does magnify the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Here's why. He has regarded my low estate. See, God didn't pick someone who was rich. He didn't pick the best. He didn't pick the wisest. He didn't pick anyone that the world would think would possibly be the best choice. He picked Mary. Someone who she said herself, I've got a low estate. I'm from a a low background. I'm nobody important. I'm nobody special. I haven't done anything to deserve this. But she said he was looking at me and he picked me. You want to know why I magnify the Lord? I magnify the Lord because He regarded my low estate. Amen. I was not perfect, but He chose me. I made mistakes, and yet He still loves me. I may not be the logical choice, but God says, you are still my son. You are still my daughter. I still have a purpose. I still have a plan. And every time we think that God might have made a mistake in choosing us, All we have to do is look back at the story of Mary and say, well, if God chose Mary, He can still choose me. If God has a purpose for King David, He can find a purpose for me. If He has a purpose for Moses, He can find a purpose for me. I tell you, church, He looks after the people who are of low estate. Amen. The Bible tells us that we are a chosen generation. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. We have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. It might not make sense to you. It might not make sense to your family. It might not make sense to your work colleagues. It might not make sense to everybody around you. But here's God saying, I still choose you. I still want a relationship with you. I still want to know you. Hallelujah. He regards our low estate. It might not be logical. It might not make sense. But 1 Corinthians, why don't you turn there with me this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Woo! I'm excited. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to read a few verses here. Say amen when you're there. For you see your calling, brethren. 
how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Here's why. That no flesh should glory in His presence. Let me tell you, church, just because God has chosen us, He regards our lowest state. He's got a purpose and a plan. But He's chosen us because He knows that we have the ability to give the glory to God. It comes down to our mindset to understand that, yes, I'm not perfect, but God has chosen me, so I'm going to give Him all the glory. Yes, I make mistakes, but God has forgiven me, and so I'm going to give Him all the glory. That's the difference that the church can make. Amen is we need to learn to give God the glory. Hallelujah. Here is the other reason why, back in Luke, I think that Mary is saying, my soul does magnify the Lord. I'm going to skip a few verses. There's so much in this little passage of Scripture here. But look at this. In Luke chapter 1, verse 54, it says he has, if you've got a King James Version, it says helping or helping. We're going to call it helped. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary reminds us as she goes and worships and praises God. She reminds us that the God that we serve is faithful in mercy. Someone needs to understand that this morning. Someone here is beating themselves up over some mistake they've made. Someone needs to understand that God is faithful in mercy. Amen. You know, so many people hold on to grudges for years and it absolutely destroys their life. They hold on to these things and they, they don't forgive and they keep bringing it up over and over and over again. And, and some people keep a catalog in their mind of all the times they've been hurt and all the times they've been offended and all the times that someone did something wrong to them can I tell somebody today you and I we lived our life in offense to God our sin separated us our sin was between us and a holy and a righteous God but when I read in the scripture this is what I read in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12 it says for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more church we serve a God who is faithful in mercy amen now I've heard some people preach that God forgets about our sin I've heard some preachers talk about this sea of forgiveness that God has to put our sins in so he doesn't remember them anymore and that's not scripture because here's the thing, if God knows everything, we say that's omniscient. If He knows everything, how can He forget about something? Hello? But here's what it is. God chooses to not remember our sin. And there is a big difference. Because when we say God forgets about our sin, we're saying like he can't help himself. He's just like an old man and he's kind of losing his marbles a little. And there's a few things that have forgotten off the top of the plate kind of thing. But, but no, no, no. God knows everything. But he chooses. 
He makes a choice that says, my justice has already been served by the sacrifice of Jesus. So I am not going to call to mind the things that my people have done. I have chosen to show mercy. This is why Jeremiah writes in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new. Every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Our God is faithful in mercy. Every day, God shows His mercy to us anew so that every day we can live in relationship with Him, so that every day we can draw closer to Him, so that every day we can become more like Jesus in the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we act, in our mindset, in our attitudes, the places we go, the people we hang out with. He is a God of mercy so that we can come to him someone say praise the Lord he is faithful in mercy and the second thing that he's faithful in I read it before verse 55 he spake to our fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever to speak is to have relationship God had a relationship with his people To speak means that there's something that is developing and something that is growing. When you are speaking with someone, every time they open their mouth, you are learning something new about them. You are understanding what their hopes and what their dreams are. And Mary is saying, I'm magnifying God because He's been so faithful in building that relationship with His people. And building that that ongoing, I'm, I'm talking to my people. I've got a plan for my people. I've got a purpose for my people. I know where I'm taking my people. Can I tell someone today that our God will never leave us? He is always willing to communicate with us. He is always wanting to build that relationship. His word promises He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. His word promises Jesus Himself said, Lo, I am with you always even till the end of the age. And isn't that the true message of Christmas? That God truly is Emmanuel, God with us. That just blows my mind. I think sometimes we just get so stuck in life that we we don't stop to think that there was a time when God made a way for us to have a relationship with Him. God with us. Us. And you shall bring forth a son and call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus is Jehovah is salvation, or Jehovah has become our salvation. Why don't we all stand this morning? I promise you I wasn't going to preach too long, but, but here it is. Here's, here's my short appeal for you today. If you have ever doubted the faithfulness of God, if you have ever wondered, why am I going through this, God? What is the purpose of this? What is the plan? Why, why is this happening to me? Can I tell you, all you need to do is cast your mind back to a time in history where God was willing to interject Himself into humanity's sad story and say, hang on, I'm going to change the course of history.
Because no longer am I going to require that only my people, never mind the whole world, but only my people can relate to me. God flung open the doors and said, I want the world to have a relationship with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loved the world. And He doesn't just love the world, He loves you today. He has a purpose for you and a plan for you. And you know what? Our little human minds have a safety switch that ping off when we start trying to bring that down to our level. We can understand God loves the world because the Bible tells us that. But what we miss is that God is so powerful and God knows so much that He wants a relationship with every single person in this room. God doesn't just love the world. He loves you. He knows you. He's got a plan for you. He knows what's going on in your heart. Amen. The only person who knows you better than you is God. God knows your every thought. God knows your every plan. God knows every hope you've ever hoped, every dream you've ever dreamt, every idea you've ever had. Not only does He know it, He knows what's going to come in the future. He holds your life in His head. And that's what makes Mary go, my soul does magnify the Lord. She had no idea of the road that she was about to walk down. She had no idea of the consequences, no idea of what was going to happen to her. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're sitting there going, I don't know what tomorrow holds. And none of us really do. Hello? And maybe you're not sure what is the next step to take. What direction should I begin to move? Can I tell you today, if you give your life to God and you say, God, I want to live my life under your plan and your purpose and your will, He will open up the doors. He will guide you because your life is laid out from beginning to the end. He saw you when you drew your first breath. He will be there when you give your last breath. Every little story, every little heartbreak, every great thing that happens in your life, He has already seen it. He already knows. He's already been there with you, watching you, being there for you, saying, I'm here, my child. Come to me. Turn to me. Let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me lead you this morning. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I feel the presence of the Lord here. God, at this time, we celebrate the fact that God interjected Himself into humanity's sad tale and opened up the door of salvation for all mankind. Church, I'm here to tell you, we serve a faithful God. And that's why my soul does magnify the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As we sing this song this morning, if you want to come and pray, you want to start talking to God again, maybe, maybe you've been busy with life and you've shunted those things to the back, maybe come and talk to God and say, God, you know, I've been guilty of not putting you first sometimes. And Lord, help me, God, to seek you first. Help me, God, to follow your plan. And, and maybe you're faced with something today and you don't know which way to turn. Can I tell you, turn to God. He's got the answer. Turn to God. He knows what to do. Turn to God. He knows the direction to take. Praise the Lord. Let's sing this song together. These altars are open. If you want to respond to God's Word, that's up to you. I can't make you, but I encourage you today. Let's talk to the Lord right now, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.